Welcome to the WWC podcast. This is Lauren Weiner, and we are starting a new version where we do a conversation with each small business that we've been talking to for years and helping to kind of mentor. And oftentimes they frankly mentor us as well. But some of the conversations that we tend to have with small businesses would be they're consistent in the way that we have those same conversations. And they're also, we realized, useful for other people to listen to. So today I have Frank Vassallo, and I just got introduced to Frank through our business development specialist, right? Our SBA business development specialist who you share with us. Is that right? Correct. Thanks for having me on, Lauren. I appreciate that. And Frank, can you tell me a little bit about your firm, what you do, and you know the, the statuses that you hold, kind of where you are in your development. Sure. Good morning. So we have a small firm called uh, Technology and Communication Systems. was founded in 2001, a typical bootstrap application. At the time, my, my partner and I were teaching college. We had access to a, to a laboratory at the university, and through some prior relationships with uh, government end users, we're able to leverage the lab and start building products. So the company early on, say from 2001 to 2008 or nine, was uh, strictly a, a custom, customer-driven. Hey, can you build this widget for us? And, sure. and for us, our company specializes in radio frequency and antenna products. So that would uh, be antennas that are located on aircraft, ground, mm-hmm. or shipboard systems, or, or backpack you know, units primarily in, in the beginning for the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. So as the company was, was growing mostly purchase orders, the war was winding down and most of our, our customer sets funding dried up. Right. The work we decided to chase was through the services. A real neat story. One of our special customers uh, who was purchasing our product and deploying it, retired and moved over to the government space and said, hey, could your company support us in more of a systems engineering and, and technical support role, which which we did in 08. So that, that was great. We started with uh, a halftime FTE, and we happened to get on as a sub, and we grew that to two or three FTEs. Mm-hmm. We decided to pursue the 8A a small business certification. Um, I'm, I'm a prior uh, Marine Corps veteran, a service disabled gentleman in a minority business. So in 2017, uh, we finally got 8A certified. So you're fairly new in, in the 8A program at this point. That's correct. Good. Well, you and I had a conversation before uh, last week, and it, I realized it was a, a, a useful enough conversation that, that we decided that we're going to start doing this and hopefully start doing this across the board. But we talked about you you really have not quite figured out yet how to most effectively leverage that 8A, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, we've heard all these wonderful success stories, and, and uh, we refer to your company as an example of someone who's graduating early, which is fantastic. But as, uh, as an employee owner, what we're trying to do now is, is figure out how, how to best leverage the 8A. And as you and I discussed earlier, as the, the company moves through its, its growth cycle, you know, myself, who was the original full-time employee, 
uh, as a subject matter expert, has now uh, been able to layer in employees uh, mm-hmm. that can share some of that burden and allowed me to kind of move back into the marketing phase and, and growth building of the company. Uh, the reason we reached out to the SBA is we don't know how to do that, right? We've yep. had a couple of, you know, a couple of mentors, certain big businesses and minority business development commerce has actually pointed us to, but they seem to be false starts. Mm-hmm. Us, we have a particular NICS code, uh, engineering services, avionics system design, computer system design. And our first few interactions, uh, as an example, was with a very large Native American or Alaskan 8A whose uh, philosophy was, hey, Frank, simply push out six or seven proposals a month. After the end of a year, 30% of those would hit, and that's how you grow your business. And, and we actually tried that, uh, oh. and it buried the company down. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, not a good idea. It was, yeah, so we had to back off that relationship, yeah. and you know that's where we're at right now. We're, we're okay. looking for help and more direction on how to do that. So we talked a little bit, and and I talked to my staff a lot about organic BD, which is exactly where you should be in this small 8A status, right? And you've done actually really, really well to now. You went from selling products to selling products with services along with it, which is where kind of the long-term revenue kind of regenerating revenue or, or uh, revenue that's recurring comes from oftentimes is from the services. Although products certainly can generate its own set of revenue that's effective. But if you're looking to be in a uh, sector, right, staffing, being there long term, kind of being part of the office, you've done the organic growth to now pretty well. You had a relationship with a customer you built that from the product to, hey, do you think you could actually staff this for us? And then growing that out. So we talk in the company a lot about this quad chart or this kind of XY axis and looking at two different pieces of it. One of them is current customer versus, you know, the, the, the far left of the axis is you don't know the customer at all far right is current customer who really likes you that you've been sitting there forever um, and they really know you. The the bottom of the second axis is current service or product. I'm sorry, the bottom is no, you, you don't have that service or product. It's not, it doesn't exist in your core competencies all the way up to the top of this is a, an, a current service that you have been doing that is a true core competency of yours. And when you look at those different quadrants from those that X and Y axis, you get four different quadrants that are really important. Right. We talked about this. What you can do easiest is a current service for a current customer. So what you did before is you had a current service for that current customer. You grew it from half a person to two or three people. That's in the far top uh, right-hand corner of those, those quadrants. It's a current service, current customer. That's easy. That is the easiest place for you to grow, right? And we, in, in WWC, we call that for the growth. It's just based on relationships, based on your current performance, 
uh, they know that, that they can get you. And that's what I think you've already been doing really, really well. What the Alaska Native firm had you do was the exact opposite quadrant, right? The, the quadrant that was kitty corner, not in a current agency or a current customer who already knows you, uh, probably not with services that you currently provide. You're in the bottom left quadrant. And that is almost impossible to do. And so when you're when you're growing, we talked a little bit about this kind of first and foremost, looking at that that top right quadrant as the easiest place. But then the other two quadrants on that quad chart, a current customer with a new offering. Right. So you turn around and you have for us, we did Navy financial management forever and a day. But what we started doing was Navy HR management, human capital, um, human resource management, which was similar enough in the same client office. So they already knew us, but we're giving them something else. Then I can take that HR, right, that human capital management and turn it into an offering that we that we provide to a new customer. So you can get into those other two quadrants. You never want to be in that bottom left quadrant or very rarely. I mean, there are firms that do it, but like you saw, I mean, how many proposals were you churning out and how many did you actually get? We did three months of four proposals a piece and uh, we didn't get any of them. They were out of our NICS codes, out of our specialty you know, no, I, it's there are there are firms who do that really well. Basically, what you have to do at that point, actually, I don't even think there are firms that do this all that well without having some sort of performance or, or past performance within that that offering. But you have to have a huge proposal shop at that point. You just have to be able to churn spin and churn proposals that that basically make them think that you know what you're doing, even though you don't. Um, and it has to be in a place where somebody hasn't shaped that proposal itself. So I'm sorry that you, I'm sorry that they, that they guided you that way, but you and I talked last week about this and you you guys are already kind of looking at those, those quadrants, right? Yeah. A little bit about, uh, so we, we took some of your advice and, and part of the other reason for calling you is we needed to, to really understand how to refocus our, our marketing and BD approach as an area to leverage it. And, and in particular with the small business offices, because uh, another false start yes. was uh, an advisor we had who very, very top level retired SES for, and his offering was, I'll introduce you to every business, small business office in a country to introduce your stuff. Well, well, that was good too, but as a, as a young 8A business, I didn't know how, how to leverage that yes. from that point forward. So what we did for our first conversation is we do have this quad chart up, up on the list and it makes sense. And we've known uh, that's how our growth has been, right? Organically, a uh, good customer, they like what we do right. and, and we're available and they, they provide other positions. That's great. Um, so, so the question uh, is, and we hope we can continue these uh, these discussions and or podcasts to kind of keep you and your listeners up on on how well we execute. But part of it is, w- our plan is to identify these particular customers we've touched, 
who are in that first quadrant, work we currently do and have performed some stuff on, and then go at them, we hope, with, with some guidance, with some discussion. As an example, we have performed recently um, for NavAir. Um, mm-hmm. We performed an integration development uh, small project for them through a large DOE prime, mm-hmm. which is great. As as big businesses do, they're they're very uh, you know they're very segmented. You know, you don't talk to the customer. They love your stuff. We'll handle all that, which is good. Um, but how do we, you know, enter or what is our discussion points when we start talking to say Spaywar Small Business Office or the Navair Small Business Office? Right. And, you know, how do we open those doors or how do we leverage that? to with an existing customer, with an existing service. So this is something that I hear all the time. I I hear, and we used to think small business offices are useless. And frankly, if you ask them for certain things, they are completely useless because that's not what they're supposed to be doing there. So, so we get a lot of, you know, we used to go into small business conferences or small business offices and they would tell us, you know, here's how you get onto Sam.gov. Here's how you develop a one pager. But none of that actually yielded anything. What we've figured out, and I think we talked a little bit about before, was going in with specific asks. And there's there's kind of two, maybe three places that you go into a small business office for an ask. One of them is you're going after something that you know is coming out, right? This is the traditional capture process. We do this now where we go in and say, hey, we're going after this really large or even medium-sized contract. We want to get it set aside for small business. We want to make sure that the things that are happening within that, you know, they're thinking about past performance or they're thinking about innovation or they're thinking about whatever that looks like. So you can shape what the RFP looks like. That's probably further along than when what you would be doing at this point. Right. But the the two other ways of leveraging small business offices One is, hey, I'd really like an introduction to this office. We think this office is doing, you know, something. I'd love to give you a demo of what we're doing. And then if you can get us in front of them to do a demo, that can yield a direct award right there. Right. So not telling just the small business office, but identifying a a customer that you want to get in front of and having them help you get in front of that customer. And then the third thing, which is timely, you know, at the end of the the fiscal year as we're coming up on uh, the last quarter is, hey, by the way, remember that we're in 8A. Here's what we do as you need 8As because the end of the fiscal year and particularly this this year as as money has kind of been flowing that, you know, there's there's travel restrictions and what have you. And so there's going to be extra, extra money. There's always extra money at the end of the fiscal year, but there may be some extra money that they weren't thinking about or planning for that there are things that come out. So you should be going to the small business offices and going, hey, we're in 8A, remember us. And frankly, you should be going there once a month and just saying, hey, just just want to check in. Hey, we're, we're here so that you leverage those small business offices effectively. If you go in and just say, I'm here, I'm an 8A, it doesn't help anything. Uh, but if you go in with those specific asks, I think that does, that does help. So that, and, and particularly in the offices 
where either they're, you know, if you're going to Navair and you've got a great reputation in Navair, some of the subordinate commands for Navair or some of the maybe Navwar or NavC uh, might have some uh, places where you can say, hey, look, we're working really effectively in Navair. We'd really like to do the same kind of thing for NavC. So those are the kind of things that you should be thinking about when you're going into small business offices, not just a I see small businesses all the time turning around and saying, hey, I'm an 8A. Where's my contract? And clearly that doesn't work. Coincidentally, we had that plan, uh, really the, the marketing meet and greet plan set for, you know, first calendar quarter this year. And our COVID concern is, is that we're not able to do that. The door knocking and uh, subsequently the pipeline next year is, is going to fail, but, or, or, you know, not be what we, we want, but that is a, that's great advice. So when I'm hearing really, you know, don't spend all my singular time pushing proposals out off FedBiz, really mix, mix the effort to, yep. you know, a, a physical on, on the road tour and maintaining those relationships as a full-time job with the small business office and key branches or program executive offices uh, right. to get our, our foot in the door and our, our, uh, our name known. Yeah, and then don't don't discount contracting officers sometimes. Some contracting officers are very open to relationships and conversations. Some are not. But we, there was, we had a down year one year right after we had gotten 8A, Hadn't used 8A at all. I think I was a little too proud to use 8A for some silly reason. And we lost over 20% of our revenue over the course of one year. And I was panicked. Um, and so told my, my employees, go figure out how to use 8A, go use it. One of my employees ended up getting in front of, I don't even know how she did it, uh, one of the State Department contracting officers who said, I think who got us through the small business office in the first place and said, hey, you're an 8A. I need you to do this staffing work for this bureau. And, you know, we turned it around in a couple of days, probably even less, uh, because we were so hungry. It was, yes, we'll do whatever you want us to do. And we, you know, gave them a price quote, got the person in uh, and started executing in July, August timeframe. And then that contracting officer said, hey, you guys were easy to work with. And so that contracting officer gave us maybe two more and then handed us over to another contracting officer who gave us a couple of contracts at the at the last minute. So it sometimes it's with the small business office. Sometimes it's with a contracting officer. And frankly, even where you guys are now, even with COVID, dropping an email, not being obnoxious about it. Not doing a blanket email that says, you know, that goes into spam, but hey, we wanted to make sure that as you're finishing up, here is, here's who we are. I wanted to remind you if you know them or hey, here's who we are. I know we haven't had a chance to meet. We'd really like to come in and meet you, but with COVID, we'd really just like to make sure that you've got a picture of who we are. The other thing that we've, so, you know, your one pager and whatever that, that goes on there, but, but a well-crafted email. And then the other thing that we've done is a one pager about how to use 8A as a direct award. 
authority. So literally hand, hand walking them through, you want us, you have money for us. Here's how you get us. So I would, I, even with COVID, it's not great to, to do it with, you know, not in getting in front of people, but there are ways of doing this for sure. Yes. That's, a, that's interesting. We had that, we had that same problem and maybe that one pager, how to use an 8A. We're literally going through that right now. We mm-hmm. have engaged with a customer we did work with. We didn't know really how to use the 8A and that's hopefully some of the help we can leverage off your, your mentoring okay. here. But We've been scrambling for the last month or two to, to try to find the customer to get us on a contract to execute some more work where we guess it may have been easier since we started this four months ago to right. have somebody just put a direct 8A in place. And, and that's excellent advice. And that's just yeah. going to continue it's, to pull the thread on. It's the easy button. If you know, I mean, I can't tell you how much I've sat with the 8A regs and the 8A guidance and all of that kind of stuff to figure out. Most contracting officers, some contracting officers are really eager to use 8A. Some of them, not so much. Some of them are really, really wary of it. But if you can, if you know your stuff and if you can give them talking points about how to do it, what that looks like, why it's better. I mean, we've had some 8A contracts go from Flash to bang, and I think one of them was actually two hours. I will never do that again, but you can do a couple of weeks without a problem, you know, which is very different than even a competitive uh, award under, even under, you know, supplied acquisition procedures. It, it, it's much faster and much easier. The other thing is you get to have conversations with the customer so you guys can actually work through what they want. So in a competitive bid, I have to kind of read the tea leaves of a PWS and figure out, okay, how many people do they want at what level? What are the trade-offs if I give them two senior level people or three more junior level people or one senior and two really junior people? When you're in an 8A direct award capacity, you get to have those conversations. You go, hey, what would you think about doing it this way or doing it this way? Let me understand what your real needs are outside of what the PWS says. Obviously, the PWS always has to be the guiding document, but there's no PWS that's perfect and tells you exactly what needs to happen. And so much changes as you go. If if you're able to have those conversations with the customer, it ends up being better for the customer and better for you. And everyone can figure out kind of how to do how to do the the contract more effectively, which is really, really nice. So knowing that kind of stuff, knowing what the opportunity gives you so that you can talk to the customer and say, it's not just that you're getting me directly, but we can have this kind of conversation. You know, there's also the piece of without the competition, certain parts of the competition and contracting act don't apply. And so modifications to that contract and that PWS don't trigger problems with competition and don't trigger them to have to go out and rebid it again. So there's more flexibility for the customer in using an 8A as long as it's within the, the kind of PWS generally or within kind of the, the, the overarching concept of the, of the contract. You can do that without having to rebid it. 
you know, competition, you can't, you, there's different, there's different determinations as to whether or not it's 10 or 20%. I've heard it from different contracting officers is different, but if you've competed a contract, you can't change the ceiling, but by 10 or 20% without triggering the need for more, for additional competition. And so that's the kind of stuff that if you know that and understand it, you can walk the customer who can then have the, the right conversations with the contracting officer. So that's really, really helpful to kind of really understand the 8A program. So in this, uh, I'll call it a quick boot camp podcast. We've got a couple of <laughs> things on the plate, and I have one last thing as far as to, to realign ourselves. Uh, so, again, the first thing you were, you were helpful at, and I think other 8As will be helpful, too, is to understand the uh, – you know, the current clients, current customers and services and kind of size it up on the board. Right. Uh, the second discussion point was understanding how to leverage the small business office, which is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, the third one is actually what to talk to them about and, and educate about the 8A, which we touched on just now. And then our last question is we're trying to aggregate all this for a cohesive marketing communication plan is how and who to team with strategically, you know, uh, fellow 8As to, to, you know, to get mentorship like yourselves, how to leverage joint ventures, and, and it may be too much for this, but if you can touch on that last no, that's, piece, that's, if you will. That'd that's be really good. That's really good. So <sighs> teaming with everyone makes sense, and, and yes on all of those. One of the things that I talk about when I talk about teaming with with firms is to know your relative bargaining power and know what you're bringing to the table. You know, with other small firms, you might have an easier time of it. Maybe I've certainly dealt with other small firms that are not easy to deal with either as prime or as sub. But, you know, the big firms will come in like a big gorilla oftentimes and, and kind of pound their chest and say, we're the big firm. You have to know where you sit with them to be able to negotiate effectively with them. Right. And so we've brought things to big firms where they actually need us a whole lot more than we need them. And so recognizing that and standing there and reminding them of that is really important. Now, if you're just a small business and you bring probably the same as almost anyone else that's a small business or you're there's one of you're one of five small businesses they could go to, then you probably don't have as much relative bargaining power. And then you have to determine how painful is this going to be for you to work with, with that large or even again, that medium or small business that you're talking about. But, you know, we, we walked in, there was one firm that we talked to on a contract where we had a bunch of subs we were priming. And frankly, I did a favor for a friend who had just moved over to this very large firm to put them on the team, didn't need them at all. And we went to sign the teaming agreement and they kind of pounded their chest like a, a large sometimes does and says, well, we need A, B, C, and D from you. And I said, no. <laughs> and they said, but we need A, B, C, and D from you. And I said, no, you're, you're, I'm happy to have you not on the, on the team. We're, we're not going to do that. So either sign what we've got or don't. But again, they didn't know their relative bargaining power at that point. So I picked up the phone and called the partner and said, hey, trying to put you on the team, but your contracting shop is being ridiculous. Can you go talk to them? And she did. And, and it all worked out. But that matters no matter if you're a big or a small. It matters no matter 
if you're a prime or a sub, it's just understanding where you fit into the picture and knowing exactly what you're bringing to the table when you're teaming really matters. Number two, joint venture. <laughs> I have very rarely seen joint ventures go well or go as well as as you would hope, I guess, is, is more the case. I have seen some great joint ventures. I have seen some joint ventures who have been really, really effective in gaining business, but a couple of them are no longer speaking to each other while they're doing business together. And so they literally like, you know, one partner will go after one thing and the other partner just kind of lets them go and then vice versa. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who is fully satisfied with a joint venture. That said, they're incredibly effective at certain things. So you just have to kind of know who you're getting in bed with. You have to know, I would strongly suggest knowing them very well and working with them prior to joint venturing because uh, that's really, really critical at this point. If if you don't and you end up joint venturing with someone and, and getting a contract with someone in a joint venture and they're not who you think they are, gosh, that's a problem. So that that's my kind of two cents on joint. Now, we've had two joint ventures over the years and did not actually drive any business at this point to those joint ventures. So they can be effective. I may be a little bit biased in the fact that I'm not sure that they are effective because we never found them to be effective. But regardless, it, it is basically like coming up with a marriage in business. And you better know that that, that marriage is they, they share your values, they share your vision, they share what, what you're going to do together or else it doesn't work. Right. Um, and, and lastly, the, uh, the small business uh, 8A person referred us over to the SBA dynamic business search. So yes. would you suggest, I mean, there is a, there is a bit of cold calling and, and introduction, uh, introducing yourself to other businesses for potential partners. Would you suggest that as a resource, maybe starting here in my particular County or the state aligned with my next codes for introductions and, and that type of stuff? You know, I've never done that before. Again, we're this, this COVID world makes it a lot harder. I like doing business with the people that I've met and had conversations with. I get a whole lot of blind emails from a whole lot of businesses, and they generally tend not to work out very well. Frankly, I probably ignore a whole lot of them, particularly when they seem too salesy or too untargeted. So what I would say is the way that you came to me is through Ron Brunner, the, the SBA rep, that I'm always going to pay attention to, right? I usually pay attention if somebody knows someone and comes to me or if somebody comes through LinkedIn or through uh, some other mechanism, through someone that they know who knows me, even if, even if that person wasn't the one who suggested the connection, but that there's some introduction and then you come knowing who I am as a firm, knowing what we've done. And again, knowing what you're asking for. So we get, gosh, I, when we got UTEP, I got probably the first week or two, I got 30 emails from small firms that said, Hey, I saw you got UTEP, which is our very large contract that we got at SOCOM. I saw you got UTEP. I can help you perform. Can you give me some position? Again, 
First of all, no, because we've got a team that we bid with who are taking all of the positions. And you know nothing about me aside from the fact that I've got UTEP and you offer nothing beyond that you want positions. And oftentimes they were, you know, I took a couple of the, the calls and said, okay, well, you know, what's your, what's your health insurance plan? Do you have, you know, what's your benefits plan? Do you have health insurance? No. I'm just a small business who wants to get started. Can you give me some positions? That's never going to work. Right. And I know, I know you wouldn't do that, but that's certainly not going to be a winning strategy, but finding a, a business that is in your space where you fit differently than they do and saying, Hey, I see you. I'd really like to understand kind of where you are. And I'd really like to understand where we may be able to fit in with you. Let me, let me give you the picture of where I think you are and what we do that's slightly different, but probably pretty complimentary to you. And Oh, by the way, we're also an A day and an SDVLSB. So you can make that approach, but you've got to be really, really careful about making the approach. How about uh, national 8A conferences to, to kind of do the initial meet and greet? Is there any must must attend that you suggest or, or events like that? Uh, so the and I'm forgetting the name of it and they're going to kill me for forgetting the name of it. But there is a Florida 8A conference I spoke at last year that that seemed absolutely great. We didn't focus on 8A conferences and I think probably to our detriment. There are, you know, if you're a good 8A and you're you're identifying other 8As who are graduating out, there are flips to be had. There's also mentoring to be had and partnership and just camaraderie to be had in figuring out how each of you guys identify and deal with all of the different issues that happen as you're as you're growing a business. So yeah, I think those are good. I think some of the uh, the conferences for SDVOB, SDVOSBs would be good. Certainly your targeted industries. So for SOCOM, SOFIC is something that is absolutely necessary if you're going to play at SOCOM, but is useless unless you know people and know how you're going to leverage that conference. We've done a bunch with, or we did early on, we don't do it as much anymore, with women-owned business industry groups. And then we also leveraged effectively uh, NDIA, which is the National Defense Industrial Association. They have here in Tampa, again, pre-COVID, um, breakfasts and every once a month uh, with a speaker. The speakers were useful, but frankly, the, the networking around was even more so. That's where you meet other firms. That's where you get those relationships going. And then when when there is time for teaming, they think of you, you think of them, and you've already got a relationship going there, which is helpful. Well, great advice. And, and at least planning work for us moving ahead. I don't know what else I could uh, what else I could ask. I got a full plate of do out right. on on my end here. <laughs> Here's what we found with with using the eight A status and. Frankly, what we found is there is always some resistance somewhere in the chain, right? You've got one of the things that we talk about in, a, in the firm is you need three things in order to be to get to a contract. You need a bona fide need, right, which is a true, real, the customer needs something. And frankly, they need you to be that something, 
And so that's where the performance work statement comes in. But that's where hopefully you've shaped to tell them you need this and you need us or they've identified a need and they think you can fill it. So either you're the one kind of guiding them to the need or they're the one guiding you to the need. But there's a bona fide need that they want you to fill or they want somebody to fill and you're potentially the good one to fill it. Then you need the money. The bona fide need is fairly easy ish. If you're talking to the, you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing within the marketing and the BD, that's that to me, that is always the easiest, particularly for organic BD, because I'm having those conversations with the customer routinely. I'm having not sales conversations, but conversations about what's vexing them, what's driving them crazy, what their requirements are, how those requirements are changing, and and what they can't get done within their day-to-day work. So that to me is is almost the easiest is is there's almost this, hey, you're struggling around this. Let me have this conversation with you. Let me see if I can fix it just in kind of a one on one conversation without me selling anything to you, because even if you can, it's a, almost always a bigger issue and a bigger conversation where they need they need you longer term to, to do the work. But that to me is the easiest piece of the puzzle. Then you need two other things. You need the funding which is hard. And that's where some of this end of year funding sometimes comes through and you have to be teed up and ready to go where they already know they need you. They already know that this is a a bona fide need. Then they find, hey, there's funding and they can raise their hand really quickly for that funding. Those are two pieces. The last piece is that is the most critical and sometimes the hardest, but 8A gets you is the vehicle. For the longest time, we had no access to good vehicles for for contracting, right? And so I, the first couple of years of the firm, probably the same that, that you did, we subcontracted because the prime contractors had the good vehicle. 8A becomes that vehicle that is, frankly, the easy button for hitting, you know, I literally like think of the Staples easy button on my desk. They hit that easy button, it's quick. But in order for it to be easy and quick, it is absolutely critical that you know the process better than anyone else. And even in that easy button, you will find a whole lot of resistance at various points in the cycle. And it's going to be different at each point in the cycle. So sometimes it'll be customer. Usually it's the customer really wants you, right? And they've got the money and they're like, yes, that sounds great but I don't know what I'm doing. And I've been told I can go to jail if I get contracting wrong. So I'm going to step out and I'm terrified. Sometimes the contracting officer doesn't want to do a direct award because they're nervous about a direct award or they've been kind of driven into competition as the most effective for the government. And sometimes there's no resistance whatsoever. But a lot of times you kind of fall into some pocket of resistance somewhere in there. If you have talking points at every point of that cycle and you can give them the talking points and you know where those sticking points tend to be and you have the ready set of, of questions and answers, or even if you give the customer the ready set of questions and answers that they may run into from the contracting office, you're not doing anything wrong because this is a direct award or potentially a direct award, nothing's on the street yet. So they're not 
You're not breaking any ethical kind of code or lines or what have you, but you're talking to them and saying, hey, here's how you can get us. And if you run into these five different stopping points, here's how you may be able to get around them. We've found that that open dialogue and those talking points are actually really, really helpful in getting to that third, you know, eight day vehicle. Now there's other vehicles you can use later. And that's one of the things we're learning to do is not rely so much on eight a, but that eight a vehicle right now for you is where you should be driving a lot of this stuff toward because it's easy and it's fast Perfect. and you can do it in June or July or August or even September. Yeah, that's where we're going to take the, uh, the great advice you provided and, uh, and more of the education because I think that that was one of our, our failing points. We were very fortunate to be handheld into this first 8A, but to help educate the contract officer and the government folks along the chain, that's the hard part. You know, we, it's like you mentioned, there are instances where they know they want to get to us. They yep. have some funding. They just need a vehicle to get, get us on. And yep. I believe if we would have talked them, through how to execute an 8A effectively, expeditiously, yep. it would have been a no-brainer. So, yeah, no. If you can learn to leverage that 8A status effectively, it's a game changer. And then you have to figure out. Uh, and Ron will tell me; he'll probably call me if he hears this. And I didn't say this. And then you have to figure out how to get off that 8A drug, right? So that's the second piece. But start leveraging the 8A effectively first. What you're trying to do is get enough past performance. You're trying to get enough experience and enough relationships with a number of different agencies to be able to come out full and open or to come out as a small business, you know, doing small business at a size instead of always leveraging the, the 8A. But that, that 8A becomes a wedge to get yourself into a new agency. Right. To get yourself into, first of all, that 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 top right quadrant of the quad chart, but also the bottom right or the top left quadrant where you're selling a different service to the same customer or a different customer, the same kind of service. Now you're wedging yourself into new things. And so that's where 8A is really, really effective because they can try you out. It's usually, you know, because it's only $4 million over some period of time, it's a much smaller commitment for them. And in the long run, what you really want to be doing is using that to then be in, you know, if you're sitting in Navair and you've, you've leveraged two or three A days into Navair and then Navair comes out with a big systems engineering contract and you're the, the engineering integrator you're now ready to go after that as a prime or as a major sub. So that's the best part of leveraging 8A is, first of all, it's revenue, which is, as a small business, always really important. But it's also leveraging into the ability to then be a more successful non-8A business in the long run. Super helpful information, Lauren. I I really appreciate that. I I look forward to a six-month update in the podcast where we can tell you where we executed on these four talking points, right? The quad chart, small business office, discussion and partnering, and hopefully we can we can share some good progress. So awesome. Well thank you so much for taking the time with me 
I always love doing these because it's, it's fun to go back to kind of the roots of where we were and, and teach how we got through things so that it's not, you don't have to hit the same walls that we do or that we did. Um, you hit different walls and I'm happy to always talk you through those, those walls that you're hitting, but hopefully you're not hitting the same walls that we did because we can, we can guide you around them. Yeah. Thanks for the outreach and, uh, you know, helping, helping the small eight A's, uh, early eight A's kind of move into it. Cause ultimately in addition, of course, to, to the revenue generation of a small business and all that, that happy stuff that comes with it. Right. Uh, I really believe the innovation and we've seen a lot of government agencies spend some money on innovation. You know, the innovation does come from these small agile businesses and, uh, you know, helping the government, you know, get new competition, which always breeds a better product it is good for, for the warfighter in general. And that's, that's why we got into this business in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do think that we can do that as small businesses more effectively. So thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to the six month uh, update. Absolutely. And I'll follow up via email. Thank you very much again, Lauren, for you and your team and forward to, to, to the next steps, ma'am. Awesome.